Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Britonology. I am Milo Edwards and I'm joined as always by my co-host Nate Bethay. Hello, lovely day, cold, but uh, spring is going to arrive at some point. Yeah. I don't know, maybe. I mean, weirdly, uh, this has been less of a the earth is dying kind of winter in the UK mm. as normal. It hasn't been like, you know, 22 Celsius, 75 Fahrenheit in February. It's been cold. Yeah, and yeah, It fucking yeah. snowed and everything, so... I know, yeah. serious business. Mm-hmm. Um, the truest Britonology is discussing the weather, of course. Exactly, to avoid yeah. the serious topic. There's, um, nothing, there's nothing more British than discussing the weather and how it is bad. And yeah, I'll make sure to not make eye contact and shuffle my hands and feet, my hands in my pockets, you know, just uh, avoid mm. avoid any, any, any stressful topics of conversation. Yeah, well, we are breaking a key rule here by both talking and making eye contact. Exactly. Um, Can't do that and be actually British, can you? <laughs> The level of sizzling eye contact that's currently being made in the in the studio is at positively Italian levels, <laughs> um, and can't be allowed to continue. Um, so on this on this episode of Renology, we have decided uh, by I was going to say by popular demand. I don't know how much it's been it's been demanded. It's demanded by some by some demand um, to talk about the uh, iconic British Cockney sitcom from the eighties and nineties, Only Fools and Horses. Um, so I'll, uh, I, th- this, this is something that was something of like a staple of my childhood. I've got, I've got a segment from, uh, the Wikipedia here to lead us in. Only Fools and Horses is a British television sitcom written and uh, created and written by John Sullivan. Seven series were originally broadcast on BBC One in the United Kingdom from 1981 to 1991, with 16 sporadic Christmas specials aired until the end of the show in 2003. Set in Peckham in southeast London, it stars David Jason as ambitious market trader Derek Delboy Trotter and Nicholas Lindhurst as his younger brother Rodney Trotter, alongside a supporting cast uh, who, in the case of the uh, episode we watched, are uh, Uncle Albert, their mad uncle who used to be in the Navy in World War II, and their respective wives, Cassandra and Raquel. Um, the show was not an immediate hit with viewers and received little promotion early on, but later achieved consistently high ratings. In the 1996 episode, Time on Our Hands, originally billed as the last episode, holds the record for the highest UK audience for a sitcom episode, attracting 24.3 million viewers. Which in 1996 would have been like easily half the UA population. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this show was not fucking about. I don't think that many people watched, percentage-wise, watched American TV on 9-11. So, Mm. I mean, I guess Only Fools and Horses does have a significant... In many ways, it was the British (laughs) 9-11. Exactly. A lot of it does take place in a tower block. So, in that respect... I don't think they ever did it. It would have been an Only Fools and Horses 9-11 episode <laughs> would have been something I would have given a lot of time to. <laughs> just, Del Boy reacts to 9-11. Just imagining. Like, I'd love to do the voices, but I can't do the voices. That uh, they, they, They're... Come on, name Rodney. <laughs> yeah. we, just, we just bought him a visa to study at an aviation college in Florida. <laughs> Nobody said there was going to be any drama about it. I'm Australian. Oh, people are saying you're not from Peckham. <laughs> I'm saying I'm born and bred, mate. <laughs> it's his... It's his I freaking fucking say it's as authentic Peckham as roasting a Joanna. <laughs> roasting a Joanna, there you go. Um uh yeah, so I I dug out uh for uh Nate's delectation because I know that Nate loves inscrutable cockney ephemera. Um uh, one of the basically after the show uh stopped doing 
like regular seasons they started doing these like little three episode mini seasons kind of around christmas time every few years and so i found one from like 96 uh which included what i think is one of the most iconic only falls and horses episode ever which is called heroes and villains um and uh the basic plot of the episode is to be honest the the end of the episode so uh, so overrode what happened at the start because it's not like super connected but they've bought all these alarm clocks that don't work um a running theme with only fools and horses is that they are market traders and so they're always like they've bought a load of stuff that's like total shit and they're trying to sell it and then usually like trying to avoid getting arrested or beaten up by the people that they sold it to um they bought all these alarm clocks, which don't work. Oh, yeah, fuck, yeah. The thing opens with the, like, the dream sequence. Mm-hmm. The weird dream sequence in the future, which is Asian somehow. Yeah. And uh, basically... Uh, fuck, it could actually have been referencing Johnny Mnemonic. I mean, it genuinely seemed that way, yeah. yeah. And, and it's around the same time frame as when uh, when that film came out. But basically, yeah. they're... Uh, Delboy's son Damien is now, mm. like, a horrible world dictator. And, yeah, uh, yeah among other things, so... It's yeah, a- Trotter Industries is like the global mega corporation that controls everything. Um, yeah, which is again like I, th- I think uh, like Damien. So Dell's wife Raquel and Damien, their son, are kind of characters that only come into the show a bit later. Um, but th- there's this like running thing that like Damien, the child, is evil, and like Rodney hates him and is the only one that acknowledges that the child is evil. <laughs> um, and he's like six or five in, yeah, the, yeah, uh, in yeah. the episode that we watched. So yeah, it's uh, uh, I guess he's got a lot, a lot of foreshadowing there. Yeah, and sort of in the future, like the old Rodney is being bullied by adult Damien, um, and then he wakes up and is very, very relieved that he's just in modern day Peckham, mm-hmm. circa 1996, mm-hmm. um, and it's Rodney's birthday. And Del Boy's bought him a present, which is a gold bracelet that says Rodney on it, except that it actually says Rooney. Um, and Del Boy insists that the second O is actually a D and it's just copper plate writing. And this is like a running theme throughout the episode that people look at Rodney's bracelet and go, Rooney? Hilariously, I only know what copper plate writing is because of having read the Adrian Mole books as a kid. Oh, okay. Because it's a reference to some expression people use in English that I'm American English that I'm aware of. I mean, I've never heard it used in any context besides talking about British handwriting, like fancy handwriting or something like that. So Yeah, I I'm familiar with it mostly because of the font. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. it just it's legitimately the only time I'd ever seen it referenced was in the Adrian Mole books where like he gets to get something from like an old guy that he's like sort of friends with and the old guy like wrote hand wrote him a note and like they can basically not read it because it's such fancy handwriting. Oh, it's right, referred okay. to as copper plate or something like that. So that's how I that's how I know about it. Ah, right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then the other the other plot strand that they introduce at this point is that uh, Rodney Rodney's wife Cassandra is trying to get pregnant, and so they've been given a kind of like fucking schedule by the <laughs> hospital, um, and it's driving him insane that he's having to have sex like multiple times a night, which I'm not sure is actually how that works. I think if anything, they advise you not to do that. Um, but he's on this like uh, aggressive getting pussy schedule, which he's he's not enjoying. He's driving him nuts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, he Rodney is in all capacities the opposite of Riley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some TF some TF deep law for you there. Um, so uh, then they go to the scene in the uh, they go to the local greasy spoon for a fry up, and uh, there we meet uh, the characters Trigger and Boise. Um, who are another couple of just like, I mean, they're both like, they appear a lot in the show, but they're just like real archetypal. Like Trigger is like their friend who's completely stupid. Um, 
who is uh, a road sweeper, and uh, he has been given a medal by the council because he <laughs> has saved the council money by, he claims, using the same broom for 20 years. Um, uh, a story which Boise, the wealthy used car dealer, finds extremely boring, but they're, they're having this conversation about the broom, and he's like, well, that's quite impressive, Trigger. You know, that's 20 years, that's two decades. And he's like, yeah, well, I wouldn't go that far. Um because Trigger is very stupid. Once again, once again, um, inscrutable British jokes. I mean, I get the yeah. gist of the joke, but <laughs> I'm sort of like, well, I'm, 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 clearly the laugh track indicates that other people got it too. I the did automated not. laugh track found it very funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, <laughs> throughout this, there was a lot of just like Nate pulling inscrutable faces and me like genuinely laughing at these shit gags. Oh yeah, um, there were so many of them. Like genuinely, you may have, this might be my Waterloo for comprehending britain in the sense of i would be the loop the person losing waterloo i'm napoleon i'm french and i'm yeah. losing because like yeah it's just there are there's so many things where, like I, I sort of kind of get what's being hinted at but like it's turns of phrase that make no sense to me at all yeah 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 um yeah there's a lot of that throughout um and then they have the the, the payoff of that whole bit is that trigger is like uh he's talking about he's, yeah we've got a saying in the road sweeper community look after your broom um, and then he goes, and I've looked after this row, I've maintained it. It's had 14 new heads and 17 new handles. And then the uh, the cafe owner comes over and he's like, well, how is that the same broom then? And he's like, look, I've got a picture with it. And then it's like showing the picture of him getting his medal with the broom. Um, so they're actually doing like a very sophisticated ship of Theseus thing about <laughs> Trigger's broom. You're right. Definitely when I don't understand some niche cockney sort of thing, the best way to explain it to me is to use Greek mythology <laughs> that I also will not get. <laughs> do I need to do a crash on the ship of Theseus? Yeah, that would be great, uh, actually. Yeah, there's a whole... Uh, uh, so, uh, uh, the myth of Theseus, who killed the Minotaur, uh, he goes to uh, Crete, kills the Minotaur, and uh, he's sailing back from Crete to mainland Greece, I think. Or was he from one of the other islands? I can't remember. Either way, gets in his fucking boat, goes there. And o- the journey takes him such a long time that over the course of the journey, he basically changes every single part of the ship has to be replaced at like various. So like the ship of Theseus has become a running thing about like if, if you've replaced every part of it, is it still the same? That's kind of the... Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Like the Sugar Babes. Got it, got no it. original members. Still a band that exists. <laughs> um, it's a ship of thesis. <laughs> Trigger's broom. You can add it to the canon. Yeah, um, exactly. No, that was intentional. M- Mutia Bueno was a really, really big fan of Greek mythology, so she did that by, in- <laughs> by design. Deliberately. I'm going to create a band that is so classical. Um, uh, yeah, so then what happens? They go to the pub. Um, seen the pub. I think because this was part of like a Christmas special series, they were really trying to hit hit like all of the nostalgia beats of the series. So they go to the pub. The pub landlord. Uh, he's like Marlene's there, who's Boise's wife, and uh, she is <laughs> the publican is trying to get Boise and Marlene to have some of the food, and he's like, "Oh, would you like something nice to eat?" And they're like, "Yeah, let's go to a different pub." Um, laugh track mm-hmm. classic mm-hmm. Um, but actually the pub they reference is a harvester which somehow makes that even funnier <laughs> like I don't know if Nate have we ever subjected you to the harvester I don't think so no god I feel like this is another this is another whole Britain law tangent but um, I mean would that be like I haven't been to a Toby Carvery either so I mean I feel like there's a whole lot of stuff it's similar yeah um, but a carvery is like a slightly different like a carvery is like a buffet roast mm-hmm. um, whereas a harvester is more like you order off of a menu but it's like a big like chain pub thing but that, mm-hmm. yeah they, they, they suck they're really bad um, we went through a phase on the live stream of watching videos of this like Essex influencer family 
who are getting, you know, like, you know, at that really like depressing level of YouTube where they're getting like 20,000 views mm-hmm. and they're putting like a lot of effort into it and they're just like going and like reviewing the harvester. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the kind of, maybe that's the kind of job that Del Boy would have in the modern era. YouTuber only fools and horses could be interesting. Yeah. How do mm. you make it? I mean, obviously Peckham has just a different. Influgeezer. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so while they're at the pub, what happens, I can't believe that we just watched this and the first half of it is already... When we get to the second half, it will become apparent why I don't remember so basically much at of the, the first pub, half. At the pub, they are, uh, they, that's where they, they hear the story about the fancy dress party for all the publicans that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. once a year they had. And that also implies there's a prize for best contest and you win a thousand pounds. Well, it's a thousand pounds stereo apparently, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, win, you win some money uh, or you win a stereo worth some money if you have the best dress costume. So that's where Del Boy gets the idea of them going in fancy dress. Yeah, he wants to win this. Uh, he wants to win this prize. But I feel like you should also mention the fact that there's a running joke about his answering machine that he bought at a discount from some geezer. doesn't work. Yeah. And so his wife, apparently, uh, her parents, who she had no relationship with, have gotten in touch with her. But they had to do this via post because uh, they'd been calling, but the answer machine wasn't recording messages. Mm. So this does come up again, of course. Um, yeah. Of but course. Um, effectively, she takes Damien to go meet her parents because she's not quite ready for her parents to meet her insane husband. <laughs> and uh, that leaves him free on a Saturday night to then basically shanghai rodney into going to this fancy dress party with him yeah because it so happens that uh rodney is also stuck in peckham without his wife who's gone to her parents villa in the south of france um i'm saying this today at the time there's kind of like a uh there's another bit of trash future law that all these guys have like fancy wives (laughs) (laughs) not every member of trash future is fancy but uh but uh but, but, but some um yeah and so Basically, yeah, uh, Cassandra is in, like, France or Spain. Uh, Raquel is visiting her parents, who, again, it's implied that her parents are kind of fancy because they live in Milton Keynes, which is also <laughs> extremely funny. <laughs> I didn't quite get that in the episode, but that is actually, yes, a funny concept. Uh, yeah, like, half of, the, half of the stuff in it, I can't quite tell whether it's, like... Because some of the stuff is like, oh, these characters are so stupid. That's what they would think was fancy. And half of it is just like genuinely it's from so long ago that people thought that was fancy. Yeah, um, that's a good point. I think Milton Keynes, they were probably taking the piss out of the characters as being like, oh, they're so they're so from Peckham that they would think that Milton Keynes was fancy. But I'm not sure. Um, For American listeners, Milton Keynes is a new town in isn't Bedfordshire. it in Bedfordshire? Yeah, which uh, it sucks. <laughs> was built. It's one of the only cities in the UK that has. It may be the only city in the UK that has a American style numbered street grid. And it's yeah, not yeah, all yeah. of it, but there's a part of the city that actually yeah. is like First Street, Second Street, Third Street, which would feel right mm-hmm. at home, except you have to live in Milton Keynes. Yeah, and lots of the streets in Milton Keynes are like really grandiosely named, and they're named after like famous streets in other parts of the world. So I remember once, because I, I used to sometimes get the bus from Cambridge to Oxford if I was going to hang out with friends who were at Oxford, and uh, it goes through Milton Keynes, and just Milton Keynes is like... I mean, they're actually, no, everywhere that that bus goes is utterly cursed because it goes from Cambridge, right? Then it hits St. Neots, horrible. Then it hits Bedford, one of the worst towns in the UK for my money. Uh, then Milton Keynes, cursed in an entirely different way. But there's this bit of Milton Keynes that's like all like kind of like crumbling sort of industrial buildings and the street is called Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um 
Uh, yeah, also go through Buckingham, another just absolutely cursed British town. Uh, if you and I ever start making Russian vox pop videos again, we'll have to go to Buckingham. If we ever get out and fucking do anything ever again. I mean, I'm at the point now yeah. where I've been staring at the same walls for so long that, quite frankly, the opportunity to even go to some shit town in the UK would be interesting because it's just something different. Absolutely. I find myself, I'm like, well, I would love to visit the rest of Europe too, but also like, yeah, I'd settle for going to Plymouth. Like, <laughs> genuinely, I'm at that fucking state. I think what the British government didn't realize about, you know, the coronavirus pandemic and subsequent lockdowns was how many podcasts it would could cause us to make. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fair. Very <laughs> Just fair nothing point. better to do. Yeah. That's I mean, the real issue. And I at least, I mean, I've been getting out in the sense of going grocery shopping and running errands and then coming here as well to work. Mm. Like, I, it has not been as bad as say for example Cynthia who like yeah, aside yeah, from yeah. going running in the summer and like getting her flu jab and getting her biometrics appointment has not done anything anywhere besides mm. she's like full work from home everything so like yeah. yeah even she was like yeah I'd love to go to like Brighton I know your fucking brain is on fire <laughs> with that I was like yeah, yeah. D- don't mention Brighton on this podcast <laughs> Milo hates Brighton which I mean <laughs> I get but also I mean Brighton to me is not a place I'd want to live but I understand mm. the appeal it's yeah. just it's got a lot of things that make it not appealing if you're coming from London in the sense that yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's not as cool as London but it's as expensive as London yeah um and uh and it's full of people who think it's really cool yeah I mean yeah uh what I what are my memories of Brighton uh, playing the world transformed for our live show and then having the server in the pub accidentally dump beer all over one of our friends by mistake. Like, Oh fuck. I don't remember that. Were you there for that? Or did you, did you come and have a drink with us afterwards? Uh, I'm pretty sure I did. I remember the, um, uh, the server came out with food and, and pints and tripped and spilled the pints all over the table. Oh uh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. That's uh, my bright experience. That oh, yes. and accidentally running into Yanis Varoufakis in the fucking corridor. Classic Brighton. Yeah, exactly. Running into Yanis Varoufakis. I mean, people are always doing this. It doesn't happen yeah. in Eastbourne. That's how you know Brighton's fucking made yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yanis Varoufakis sightings happen all the time. Yeah, fucking hell, yeah. East, East, Eastbourne, you'll be lucky if you get, I don't know, um, James Meadway. <laughs> like, we like James Meadway. Yeah, respect respect to no, James. No, no slight on James Meadway. That was the only other economist I could think of. I was thinking of, well, I was going to say, I was thinking of... Uh, <laughs> if anything, he's quite high in my estimation because he's one of two economists I can think of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say. But also, I mean, you know, shout shout out to our web designer, Tom, who lives in, in Eastbourne, I think. But uh, Yeah, or like he lives somewhere between Eastbourne and Brighton, I think, in like a smaller... I think it's like quite near Eastbourne, right? I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah. So basically, we, we, we've gone on a tangent to talking about shit towns in the south of england but uh, oh, absolutely on the south coast but um yeah eastbourne is the actually deep south if you has will. the uh has i think one of the sunniest towns in all of the uk eastbourne yeah. gets more sunlight hours like unobstructed by clouds than any other city in the uk and you would not fucking notice you would not because it's still a city in england man i once did a gig in eastbourne with a friend of the show aiden Teco jones and uh, we went for a walk around Eastbourne before this gig and just like everyone in Eastbourne was either like about to die old like that le- or were like uh, like every every single street was just like complete piece of shit. Like every street you walk down, like there are some nice streets in Brighton, like Eastbourne, you're like, dear God. And like everyone. <laughs> Everyone apart from the old people were like Romanians who had been drastically missold. <laughs> like who had like shown up like I go to the UK and like shown up in fucking Eastbourne. Um and then we did this gig, uh oh man, this guy was like one of the worst comedy promoters. And he he was like 
he basically he paid everyone like three pounds fifty or something. It was like ridiculous. Like the whole thing was like it was kind of set up as like a paid gig, and then he was like, "Yeah, but you're only getting a cut of the proceeds." And then like the whole, like it, we got conned basically. Um, and it was in like a shop front this gig. But then I found out that the same promoter another time they were like, "Oh, you think this is bad?" And I'm like, "Why? What has this guy done before?" And they were like, "Oh, well, one time I came here uh, and did a gig for him, and he was supposed to pay him like not even very much money, like twenty pounds." And then at the end, the guy comes up to me and he's like, "Yeah, uh, I don't have the I don't have the twenty pounds." And he's like, "But um, I do have a prostitute back at my house if you want." <laughs> I was going to make a joke about, you know, here's some tokens for a strip club where people don't get naked or something like that, but that's way better. Yeah. And it's like, because is he, you've got to be paying the prostitute, right? So like, have you given her the money for the, like 20 quid? (laughs) I don't know. Questions abound. Uh, Visit Eastbourne, guys. Yeah, apparently. We've now, this is now a pro Eastbourne podcast. We're just doing Eastbourne tourism. We're going to relocate the studio to Eastbourne. (laughs) Eastbourneology. I mean, it would be cheap. Yeah, that's very true. You could definitely save some money. Um, I do sometimes think that, like, if you could just move, if you could just move, like, everyone that you see and do to, like, somewhere cheaper in the UK, um, like, it will be fine. Then we'd be foiled by the shitty internet. I know that would happen because the internet's oh, yeah, bad yeah, enough yeah. in London. I can only imagine what it would be like if you moved to a city like that. I think if you're in, like, town centers, it's okay. But if you're, yeah, anywhere outside of that, it's like, yeah, fucking nightmare. You've got to be near a telephone exchange. That's the main thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, so the episode, uh, they get to this point where... Um, uh, there's a scene where like uh, Rodney and Cassandra are like talking about the fertility schedule and she brings out this like huge graph about when they've got to fuck and, and she's like see it's just once tonight and then he's like look at fucking Tuesday and then she like hurriedly folds the graph away um, which is a, this is like very amusing thing that gets developed through the episode of just like b- British men are just having sex demanded of them by their wives <laughs> and they're like I just want to hang out with the geezers why are you making me fuck <laughs> Once again, these guys are the opposite of Riley. Yeah. It's, it's extremely British, though. Like, I just want to hang out with the fellas. She's trying to make me have sex. Yo, what am I, gay? Having sex with my wife? I think, I think the law would constitute this as geezer abuse. Mm, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, the, the long and the short of it is that uh, Raquel takes Damien to go and see her parents. Cassandra goes to her parents' villa. So they're, they're stuck in Peckham at the weekend. Meanwhile, another another thread of the plot has been developing, which is that uh, Dell, who lives in a council flat, which hauntology in and of itself, mm-hmm. um, has applied to the council for a grant to improve his kitchen for £5,000, and he's been turned down by Councillor Murray. And they know what Councillor Murray looks like, because now from another coincidence... Um, uh, she was the one who awarded the medal to Trigger for road sweeping. So she's in the picture with Trigger, so they've seen her. Um, and uh, Dell's Del is like scheming to get his £5,000 grant to improve his kitchen, right? And uh, so then he convinces Rodney that they've got to go to the party and that they've got to dress up. They've got to get a good costume because they want to win this £1,000 hi-fi. We then cut to a scene where they're in the three-wheeled van but like it probably probably merits some discussion of the three wheeled van, which is like very iconic. And there is one of them. Like I don't know if it's the prop from the the show itself or it's a, a replica. But if you are walking or you're on the bus or whatever down um, Peckham Road between Camberwell and Peckham, there yeah. is actually a building somewhere that's got the the three wheeled wagon 
on the like the front common or whatever, like on the grass mm-hmm. there with the paint job on it that says, you know, Trotter Industries or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Trotter's Independent Traders. Yeah. New- but famously, the side of their van says Paris, New York, Peckham. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I live in Peckham, but obviously, for one, I'm not 100% sure this was all filmed in Peckham. I mean, not that I'm the expert, but I mean, also- A lot of it was filmed in studios, so I don't know. What, yeah, yeah. But, but I'd also say too, is that obviously like stuff that was filmed in the 80s and 90s has almost no resemblance, both mm. because like the neighborhood's changed in a lot of ways, but also because like they've- uh, a ton of the buildings that were in Peckham, especially the council estates, have been demolished, and mm. you know, new stuff has been built. Mostly, mostly luxury rentals or uh, a fo- scare quotes affordable twenty percent affordable <laughs> housing. Uh, but yeah, I, I love a bit of affordable housing. Like uh, North Peckham Estate was like one of the biggest council estates, one of the biggest public housing works in mm. all of Europe, and it's it's completely gone. Like, but the entirety of it is gone. There's still a row, uh, like a, a blocks that still have what I believe are the incinerators or the like the old rubbish incinerators uh, from okay. what used to be a much bigger estate. But that the the actual like the space that it used to occupy is all gone. Um, yeah, because because yeah, Peckham Peckham has has changed a lot, and uh, Southern Council, they, a Labor Council, they fucking love <laughs> selling off public assets to private developers. It's like their fucking modus operandi. Mm. So. We love to do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, the British government, as we talked about in our episode with India Block, love making councils asset strip themselves mm-hmm. because, as we know, that's a process you can keep doing forever to pay your running costs. Exactly. And it makes perfect sense. Um, why should the government own things? Uh, they shouldn't. That's socialism. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, the Robin Reliant, uh, for people who don't know, is a three-wheeled van. Um, they also made three-wheeled car versions. Uh, it, I mean... It it's one of the it's one of the dumbest looking vehicles you can own to imagine. Like it could only have been conceived and built in Britain. There was this like brief period from like in the sort of like seventies and eighties where like there were like kooky British inventors who came up with like incredibly dumb shit ideas and got the shit made. Like the Robin Reliant, the Sinclair C five that was like the little like electric scooter thing where it had the handlebars went under your knees. And you like it, it, incredibly. It, just Google the Sinclair C5 if you're if you're in in any doubt as to what that is. Have yourself a great time. Google it up. Which is really funny to me because one of the reasons why Britain has its own sort of like video game industry is because of Sinclair computers. Oh, but right. I did not realize. Yeah, I think Sin- it's the same guy. Yeah, yeah Sinclair also because the Sinclair computers you could buy in department stores and like mm. a lot of uh, a lot of the UK's original video game industry back in the days of like text games were just games people made at home and they would sell them in classified ads and stuff like that. Ah. Uh, if you go back, I remember reading the Beano, like old old paper copies of the Beano when I lived in Germany that our friends had given us. And um, there are tons and tons of ads for these weird ass games and stuff like that. But yeah, Sinclair ah. also made a weird electric scooter. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the, um, the, the Robin Reliant, the whole point was that you didn't need a vehicle operator license you could use a motorcycle license to drive it right this is what i was going to get to so the, the 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 like the galaxy brain idea like i think if trash future had been going in like the 1980s we would have been talking about the robin reliant because it is absolutely fascinating but like basically there were lots of people mostly in like the north and in wales who worked in industries like mining who had like no money as you would expect and a lot of them rode motorbikes which was common. I mean, it, it would have been like, it was common across the UK earlier than that. Like, my, my granddad had a motorbike for years before he got a car. Um, that was like quite a common, like, my uh, mum used to go on with her family, they used to go on holiday in a motorbike and sidecar, like five of them, which is Jesus. Uh, like, 
that none of them are very big. Like uh, both uh, my mom and her sister and my uncle are all quite small. And so my grandparents were both pretty small too. But I mean, just like insane fucking getting five people on a motorbike and sidecar. I mean, it's funny because there is a place where I've seen this happen, where mm. I've seen where the only family vehicle is a motorcycle and the entire vehicle, the entire family fits on the motorcycle. That place is called Afghanistan. But uh, <laughs> Afghanistan and Britain have something Why do you in think common. Britain loves invading Afghanistan so much? We are kindred spirits. <laughs> One way or the um, other, yeah. Look, we love heroin. We love poppies. <laughs> like, um, like, yeah, exactly. You know, we love just old dudes sitting around shooting the shit and drinking tea. We like, like tea a lot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mean, quite frankly. If anything, like the Afghans and the British should settle their differences as equals. That's what I think. Um, but uh, yeah, so they came up with this idea that technically, because it only had three wheels, you could drive it on a motorbike license because trikes counted as motorbikes. However, there was a big catch, which was that because it was if to to get one that you could use on a motorbike license, it wasn't allowed to be fitted with a reverse gear. They fitted, they made them with reverse gears for people with vehicle licenses, but they would, if you bought one with a motorbike license, they would take the reverse gear out. So you basically had a van (laughs) that you couldn't reverse. Please tell me you could at least put it in neutral. I presume, yeah, because you can put a motorbike in neutral, so that would make sense. (laughs) But just imagine that, like. A fucking van that you can't reverse. I did not know that. That's fucking amazing, honestly. Uh, yeah. You just have to pick it up like the Mentos car from the from the Mentos advert and fucking turn it around. Have four yeah. of your huge friends pick it up for you. I guess you can do that. The four huge M and M's. My sister used to date a guy uh, who was this like Guido Italian British guy uh, who uh, was huge and uh, was a car mechanic. Whoa, you yeah, chatting shit, mate. White mate, like that kind of like that's that's a Guido British Italian, yeah. White son, um, he and once we were on holiday somewhere, and I think I, me, I was with my parents, and they were to, they'd rented a car, but they were like staying with us, and uh, someone had like blocked their car in in the car park of this restaurant or whatever, and it was just like some small Fiat Punto or something, and he just like picked up the back of the car and just wheeled it out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very big guy. When very, I when I was large. in Korea, I had a tiny little Daewoo uh, mm. Matas, which is like a. It's, oh yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. see them around here. There actually yeah. was one. The Uwu Matas. Yeah, yeah. The Uwu Matas. There was a. <laughs> I'm driving all the way to Durham. There was a. Um, there was one the same color, the kind of like yellowish one that I had, and um, I went a little too far forward in the parking lot at our battalion headquarters during a snowstorm, and it actually mm-hmm. tipped the front of the car into like this drainage ditch. It didn't go all the way down, but like it was stuck, and. I was just like, oh, fuck. And I saw a group of soldiers saw me and they're like, hey, sir, do you want help? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I feel bad. I'll happily call a tow truck. But if you guys like, want- This is the largest automobile I can afford. <laughs> if you guys want to help me, then you, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, it took like seven of us, but people basically, we all just like lifted from the front, you know, mm. got in the little bit in the ditch and pushed it up and were able to move this car. Like, yeah, it can Jesus. be done with a tiny ass car. I mean, mm. I was only in Korea for a year and it was a thousand dollar car. So like, I didn't give a fuck. I was yeah, like, yeah, I'll yeah. drive. A doofy ass little clown car, you know, yeah. if it gets me around. Not everyone is enough of a Chad for the 2003 1.1 Renault Clio. I understand. Yeah, no, I understand absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as as I'm as I'm, you know, shamefully and surreptitiously looking how to get a British driver's license because uh, you can't just hand in your American license and get one. You can if you have a Canadian license or formerly yeah. an EU license, but yeah. you cannot if you have an American one. Um, and the car I want to buy is like a fucking Nissan Leaf, but I don't care. I want an electric yeah. car, and apparently you can get cheap ones. Now, yeah, the so. used ones are really cheap because the range isn't very good, but yeah. if you want a city car, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. I'm not planning on, like, I, I mean, as long as it has enough 
charge in the battery for me to get to Eastbourne and back. I'm okay with it. <laughs> Who needs to come back? Just get to Eastbourne and just stay go, there, baby. Stay there. Best, <laughs> Live the best fucking city, life. You know, I'm going to go sunbathing. Yeah, you need very limited range when you're going around Eastbourne. It's not a big place, you know. It's perfect for the Nissan Lee. <laughs> fucking hell. I love how, like, I think, and I hope the fans enjoy this about Britnology too, is how quickly it just becomes dad chat, you know. Well, I mean, everything that I'm on is going to be dad chat unless Riley yeah. is there cracking the whip and trying to keep it mm. on track. But I also think that's uh, uh, you know, guys. I don't think people are listening to this for the Nissan Leaf. <laughs> uh, I really think we need to stay on topic here, guys. All right. Well, well, well yeah, guys. Uh, as I was saying, uh, let's <laughs> let's continue on uh, on the, the topic. So basically, mm. as you were pointing out, um, in they have this van, they have the the yeah. Robin Reliant, um, and there's mechanical trouble with the yeah. van. Yeah, so they break down on their way to the fancy dress party, and you're getting this scene of them driving along, and they're dis- and Rodney is, c- and you can't see them; you can just see the van. And Rodney is complaining about how stupid the costumes are, and then Del Boy's like, "Yeah, shut up, stop whining, whatever." And they're in, the- and then eventually they break down. They like pull over onto the pavement, and then uh, they're arguing about who's going to get out of the out of the van to go and like look under the bonnet. And then eventually, like Del Boy gets out and does it, and then you see that he is dressed as Batman, and this isn't like. We're obviously not talking modern Batman. We're talking like the like, 1960s. Yeah, this uh, is Adam like West Adam Batman. West, yeah. like a b- blue satin suit Batman. So, and he's also wearing all of his like Cockney geezer jewelry, like over the top. So he's got like a medallion on. He's wearing like gold rings over the Batman gloves. I got to ask a question as a side note about Cockney mm. geezer jewelry. Is I've heard about this kind of shit, but I haven't really seen people do in that style of like the guy who would wear like the the wrist break like the bracelets that are gold and like the go- multiple gold rings and shit i just haven't yeah, really yeah, yeah. seen that if i see people wearing it's old fashioned yeah that's if why. i see like guys wearing all like the the to you to use in a, the british expression the sort of flash rings and stuff like that it's yeah. more likely gonna it's, it's actually more gonna be like people wearing chains and stuff like that you do see that periodically yeah. but well, like, does that too he has like the gold necklace that has like a d on it and that kind yeah, of stuff. yeah 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 i mean it's, it's it is like it's a bit of an like a an older era thing because Dell is supposed to be such a like 70s guy even though this is like happening in the 90s it's a bit of a like it's a bit like Seinfeld in that respect in that it's like set in the 90s or like the 80s and 90s but like kind of it's actually the guys that it's talking about are kind of from a, a decade before yeah um and uh yeah but I mean definitely like growing up in Essex which is an extremely cockney part of the world uh yeah lots of guys wear like gold chains it's like a big thing like um, yeah and that same similar thing if like I was on the subway one time and there was like a kid and his girlfriend and like his parents were down from Boston and their dad was obviously like a Boston 70s guy and he was wearing uh, like yeah, yeah, a yeah. cool pinky ring and like a fucking a big like mm. uh, Cuban link chain and stuff like that. And he was white and he had a very <laughs> yeah, Boston yeah, yeah. accent, but that, that's like an older fashioned kind of thing. Like mm, mm. you just don't see it as much, but I, I, I've heard references to like Cockney guys with rings and shit, like multiple rings on one hand and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So seeing this was sort of like, ah, oh, okay. And I think Dave Courtney's a bit like that too. He he wears a chain and rings and stuff. But like, the thing is, I like, could never look at Dave Courtney and say that he is indicative of anything besides <laughs> Dave Courtney. So. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm great friends with Del Trotter. He's come to my open jacuzzi parties. Yeah, Del, Del Trotter, you know, the reason he got involved in doing what he's doing now, selling shit that he just gets off people at cheap prices, mm. was he couldn't get a regular job after he had a sword fight in the Chinese takeaway in Bermondsey. <laughs> so you know, he ventured into the, the hostile territory of Bermondsey and he wound up getting in a sword Absolutely. fight. Absolutely. Yeah. Del Trotter is often doing things that you could describe as highly illegal. Um, 
But yeah, at, unlike Dave Courtney, the thing with uh, Del Boy and Rodney is they're always like terrified and on the run from the local criminals. Mm-hmm. Like they're mm-hmm. kind of like dodgy dealers, but like they absolutely stay out of the way of the criminals. Um, and uh, yeah, so they're having this argument. Eventually, Del gets out and checks the thing. And eventually, like Rodney gets out as well and sees that Dell is uh, examining the carburetor using his Zippo lighter as light. And he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And he's like, "Well, there's obviously no petrol coming through. So what can the like, you know, how how is it unsafe to use this lighter?" They get back in. They talk about their options. Uh, Rodney's getting furious because they look so stupid that they can't walk home. And then he's like, "Oh yeah, we'll just call the RAC." And then Dell's like, "Or oh, they'll laugh at us." And he's like, "What about the police?" And then Dell's like, "We'll never live it down. We'll have to emigrate." Um, and then Rodney's like, that doesn't sound like such a bad option. Um, and in the end, uh, Dell convinces Rodney that they should just run to the fancy dress party because it'll only take them five minutes if they run. Um, and this ensues, I think, this is kind of like renowned as like one of the greatest set pieces that the show ever pulled off is that they set off at a run. And then it cuts to Councillor Murray, who we mentioned previously, leaving the council building late at night, and she gets mugged in the parking lot by a group of teenagers who look like a group of teenagers out of a French language textbook. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> like the, the the United Colors of ben- Benetton fucking mugging gang is apparently out there. Yeah, just they're all wearing like, like backwards caps yeah, and they're like, boy, lady. And stuff. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what yeah. The fuck? Yeah, they, they don't look remotely intimidating. It's quite funny. Um, and, uh, and so then... And then eventually they're, they're, they're in the process of mugging her. She's like kind of fighting them for a handbag. And then they all turn around and go like, what the fuck is that? And then in the distance through this like a steam, you just see Del Boy and Rodney dressed as Batman and running, Robin running towards them with the Batman theme music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then they all run away. Um, Del Boy runs up to the counselor and introduces himself as Derek Trotter. And is like, I actually recently wrote to you about <laughs> um, <laughs> an application. To- <laughs> and then uh, Rodney drags him away and they sort of run off. And she's just kind of shell-shocked by the whole thing. And you kind of think, well, that presumably must be the major, the major twist that we're going to experience. Then they arrive at the party and they're greeted at the door by Boise, who's wearing a suit. And they make some comment about how he's not going to do very well in the uh, fancy dress competition. And he's like, yes. Uh, and then they say... Uh, yeah, we've come as Batman and Robin and you've come as the Penguin. And he's like, oh, I think you'll find I've come as the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course. Yeah. yeah. And so he sends them into the main room and Delboy picks up this can of Silly String, hoping to make a, ba- a big entrance, bursts in, spraying Silly String everywhere and uh, discovers that this fancy dress party is now awake because the guy who was hosting it has died. And they phoned everyone to let them know that the party was off, but they got Delboy's answering machine, which famously doesn't work. Um, and then as Del Boy is receiving this shock news, he accidentally fires the silly string again and like covers the widow with it. Um, apologies are made and it's all fine. They then bump into Trigger in the kitchen uh, who uh, comments that they obviously didn't get the, the notice about the fancy dress and uh, and then says that he didn't either, but he's just wearing a suit. Um, and then he comments that he's come as a chauffeur, but he feels a bit silly now. Um, and then he makes some joke about how their costume's not very good because uh, Rodney looks like the Lone, the lone Ranger, but Del Boy looks nothing like Tonto. Um, Once again, just like, yeah, the the jokes are on a very different sort of your dad register. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. Get, I get the intention behind it, but there's there, there were moments when I was just like, I was shaking my head like, you must be fucking joking. And then there were other <laughs> moments when I literally look at you, I'm like, Milo, what did he say? <laughs> oh, fuck, because of the one of them. 
There was one in particular where they, of course, basically make a racist joke about Chinese people speaking English, but I genuinely did not get it because I had no idea what the fuck he was saying. It was it was a bit where um basically to cheer up Cassandra, um, Rodney has bought a rabbit. And they're mm. they're gonna go they're gonna be gone for the weekend. So she's wondering like, is there a, a place where they can put the rabbit to be taken care of over the weekend? Yeah, like she's a, like, like you a, know like, like a cattery, but a rabbitry. Yeah, like and a then, rabbitry. And he says, and then Rodney's like, well, that's a Chinese toilet, isn't it? And then Nate is just looking at me like, because they're obviously laugh track. And then Nate is looking at me like, what the fuck is the joke here? And I guess the joke here it, is, that, is that that's how a Chinese person would say lavatory. That's the <sighs> yeah. I would, I would, I would. Welcome I, to Cockney sitcoms. I was going to say, I would, I would, you know. Uh, Dave Courtney wrote that joke. Make some tutting noises, except that, like, I guarantee you that if you picked an American show from the mid '90s, there would probably also be racist jokes about the way Chinese people <laughs> speak English. Yeah. So, like, let's not pretend America is any better in that regard. Uh, no. So, uh, yeah, that, um, that, <laughs> yeah, it's a very, very reminiscent of a certain era in Britain for sure. Um, yeah, and so then after the fancy dress party, there's this. Uh, uh, they're back at the market, and then an old lady gets mugged for a handbag by the same gang yeah, of yeah, like Benetton say, muggers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, uh, the the like you said, the people who whose smiling visages you would see in like a mock dialogue about how to ask for train tickets in the station in Paris <laughs> are out robbing people in Peckham. Times are hard in France. They had to migrate up to London to do robberies mm. instead of saying bonjour, je m'appelle Jacques or something like that. And so yeah, yeah, as yeah. a result, they're robbing old ladies. And Not enough pe- not enough English language students have been ordering citron presse in the cafe that they run. <laughs> so they've had to come to Peckham and start mugging people. <laughs> Invariably, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past the perfidious French to do that, you know, like, yeah. That's why th- this is what happens when you cancel the Erasmus scheme. They just come here and rob people. <laughs> That's right. That's what brings them over. That's why we had to leave the EU. Um, and uh, yeah, they like knock this old lady over who's like, oh, I've taken my handbag. And then she goes, and I've hurt me ass. Exactly. Great opportunity to just have some 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 sweet one-liners in there. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And uh, Del Boy is like packing out the market stall while Rodney is giving chase to like one of the muggers. And then eventually he catches the mugger and then the mugger starts chasing him. And Del Boy is like kind of behind with this big suitcase and he sees they're running back the other way. Eventually he sort of intercepts them and manages to knock the mugger out with his big suitcase. And then Del gets given a medal by the council for bravery. Um, yeah, and, and basically Del manages to cut cut Rodney out of getting a medal by uh, because he's like, well, you were running away. Um and so that, and then Rodney manages to cover it by pretending that he uh, he turned down the medal because he wanted to ma- remain anonymous. Um, and then Dell manages to crowbar this into getting Councillor Murray to give him his five thousand pound kitchen grant because she's so grateful to him for saving him from the from the muggers. Uh, and then the final scene is like they have a uh, uh, there's like them and Raquel and Cassandra and Uncle Albert and whatever are having like a celebration, and then it's revealed that uh, Cassandra is now pregnant and Rodney's really worried that someone's going to reveal about him telling them about all the fucking he's had to do. And then no one, no one says anything. So they're all sort of relieved. And then uncle Albert comes in and goes, I know you had to go through hell to get there, boy. <laughs> um, and uncle Albert is wearing all of his Navy medals, but just like on his like normal clothes. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, <sighs> that was it. That was the episode we watched. And, yeah. um, I mean, to be honest with you, I recognize the sort mm. of importance 
like in terms of this show being really popular and like yeah. the sort of centrality of it being in Peckham and stuff like mm. that. I still see references to it and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to pretend that this is a show that I'd be like, I want to watch all seven seasons <laughs> right fucking now. Well, I've got some bad news to you about the rest of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode, Only Fools and Horses. That's yeah. what we're doing now. Which is funny because, I mean, I did grow up watching some British TV because mm. uh, my mom... Uh, you know, had shows she liked watching. And then also we had friends when we lived in Germany who were a couple from Manchester, but they had lived in Germany for like 25 years at that point. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Uh, they, they, we, in those days, um, if you bought a VCR in, in Europe, it was PAL. So like we yeah, had yeah, a VCR yeah. that basically couldn't play American tapes. So we, and German TV fucking sucks. Sucks now, it sucked then. So, Region coding was so cool. How they used to do that just to just to fuck with people. Basically, yeah. My parents eventually got a, a one that had a switch that you yeah, could actually yeah, do yeah. NTSC and PAL. But um, anyway, so we uh, I remember watching stuff like all every season of The Black Adder and mm. um, some other like Rowan Atkinson stuff and some like BBC dramas with my mom and stuff like that. But this, I feel like my mom left England early enough that this would not have entered on her radar of like a show Nate she would just care. wants to watch America's Strongest Man and he's being forced to watch like the Trouser Ferreting World Championships <laughs> or something no, it's like mom why do we have to watch this? I just want to watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shells for the 15th time because I'm 6 yeah. years old but instead I have to watch some some <laughs> sad drama about the interwar period and noncing in boarding schools <laughs> or something I don't know yeah gotta have a bit of nonsense. I remember watching the Ipcrest file Oh, that's a good movie. Yeah, when I was when I was yeah, like seven. Michael Caine. <laughs> now listen to me. Not now listen to me. That. Yeah, Michael Caine. That's it. it. That kind of 1960s Michael Caine, where he's talking very quickly. You're a big man, but you're out of shape. Now behave yourself. <laughs> yeah. You're no good, dirty bastard. <laughs> David Baddiel as Michael Caine. <laughs> you're no good, good dirty, dirty bastard. bastard. In my mentions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, mean, I mean, all uh, these Italians are in my mentions. <laughs> So long story short, this Mm. was, um, I think the weirdest thing about it for me was that there's a certain kind of old timiness to it, even though it's Mm. more or less like if you watch a movie like in contemporary, like contemporary 1996 Britain, like train spotting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not going to seem that different. I mean, okay. The big thing is obviously there's no like computers and smartphones and shit. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's sort of table stakes. You know that getting into it. But like if you watch train spotting. I mean, I, I must have seen that movie 20 times before I moved here. Like, you get a pretty good sense of things. I love that movie. It's fucking great. You've watched that movie 20 I times? I fucking love Trains. I mean, I haven't watched it recently, but I watched it so many times in high school. Yeah, I loved that movie. I'd like make my friends watch it. I thought it was You watching it and just like scrutinizing the subtitles. Like, what the fuck? I had to watch it with subtitles saying? for yeah. sure, at least the first couple yeah, times, yeah, yeah. which is funny because if you watch it with subtitles, it's, it's, it's closed captioning. So it's not just the dialogue that's subtitled. It's also like the actions, onomatopoeia, yeah, the sounds. Yeah, yeah. So the famous scene where he he has diarrhea and he goes to the worst toilet in Scotland. Farting, wet, slapping. Yeah, farting, <laughs> that's like the uh it's like you and mcgregor making like profoundly uh emphatic faces while yes brackets farting comma shitting <laughs> incredible if i could just rig up the old dvd player and get a screen grab that would be an excellent reply image <laughs> next time like a times columnist says some dumb shit but uh never is there anything more british than the closed caption of farting shitting over you and mcgregor <laughs> but yeah what i'm trying to say though is that if you watched a movie like uh like train spotting it wouldn't necessarily seem that old timey you know mm-hmm. like a lot of it would seem relatively i mean it was sort of 
matter of fact ish of like a mm. representation of how things are. Yeah, yeah, kinda. yeah. I mean, obviously it's stylized. Whereas this, like, this had way more. In a way, the feel felt a little more like I was watching Dad's Army. Not, yeah, yeah, not yeah. like okay. Obviously, Dad's Army is set in the 1940s, but like you know what I mean, like that old timey TV feel. There was more of that. Uh, it's studiedly old fashioned. Yeah, I think there's yeah, like absolutely, a, and, and particularly with those episodes that came out in the 90s because they were kind of like they were sort of stuck in the time warp because the show finished in 91, but they were still making episodes occasionally in 2003. But they never updated the aesthetic. Like it all stayed in that like 80s, like how, yeah. as a kind of I guess like nostalgia trip to the show itself. But I mean, also like when you watch the outdoor scenes, like when they're mm. chasing after the the United Colors of Benetton muggers yeah. through the streets of what. I suppose is South London, but I mean, like it could be anywhere. Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That the the the, the videography is such that it looks really washed out, like filmed on sixteen millimeter film, mm. like like the like the sun shadowing and stuff like that, or like the glare is really intense. Like it looks like the almost as bad as the when you watch Monty Python and the scenes that were shot outdoors look. They look like a like newsreel reportage from like a war zone, whereas the <laughs> studio footage is is obviously way more looks more like what you'd see mm. on TV. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and and so yeah, there wasn't like a very there is a very old fashionedness to it mm. that uh, that I mean in a way like you said, hauntology about him living in a council estate. I mean, having lived on a council estate in Peckham mm. for a year uh, it is just sort of strange because it was just kind of a reminder that like oh yeah, like that used to be normal, like that used to be how people lived and it wasn't like it was just the thing you could do yeah, yeah it wasn't like run down whereas yeah. like uh, real Britonology heads will recall from the last episode that like in Southwark now to get on the waiting list you have to have lived in Southwark for at least five years so yeah. I mean, like, and that's to get on the waiting list yeah, like, the waiting no list idea. is long you have no idea how long it's going to take to get placed in a, in a, in a national council yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah it's just it was like you said kind of hauntology in a way because like it's sort of because of if it's if it's if it's you know holding to the original concept from a show that came out in the early mm. 80s then it's basically like what if thatcherism didn't happen <laughs> like there is that kind of aspect to it you know what i mean and so mm. in a way um yeah i i felt uh yeah alternate I, reality man in the high castle but for a world without thatcherism <laughs> wow it's that future utopia me yeah, 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 cars yeah. are flying everywhere yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, so so there was that. And actually, like, perversely, Thatcher is still alive due to the huge advances in medicine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she feels kind of left out and lonely because no one knows who she is, and mm. so no one is pissing on her grave. Yeah, she's been forced into a council flat. Yeah, um, hate to see. Thatcher it. always said that if she uh, if she had lost the election as conservative party leader in whenever it happened next you know when in the, she she and her husband had made plans mm. to basically for their whole family to emigrate to canada oh and, wow yeah i say that canada would probably be a lot worse but uh there would be one less storied occurrence of the paris dakar mm. rally no, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah. might not have been a coup in equatorial guinea jerk vanderclerk would probably just be a random guy in rhodesia he would have to have gone to work for someone else <laughs> um. <laughs> Just imagining just like Mark Thatcher just being a guy who's like, oh, fuck, bad. <laughs> Mark Thatcher has like a, 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 a like a popular YouTube channel where he does ski-doo tricks. 
<laughs> exactly. Mark Thatcher will wind up getting a coup attempt with Jean-Luc Dubastard somehow. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're doing a Quebecois takeover. Exactly. Full they're, revolution. They're doing, they're doing ETA-style terrorism in Quebec. Just, <laughs> just blowing up McDonald's because the menu, the bilingual menu used too many Americanisms. <laughs> There's no maple syrup on this Big Mac. <laughs> Why you call it a Big Mac in French? It's not a Big Mac. It's a Grand Mac. Why you not call it a Grand Mac? <laughs> le Grand Mac. Ouais, le Grand Mac. I've got lots of Grand Mac in my club, you know. Exactement. Like, <laughs> tu parles Grand Mac. <laughs> Exactement. Je connais 500 Grand Mac. Avec <laughs> des... <laughs> A hundred Grand Macs. I've got I've got five hundred Grand Mac. Uh, avec the I can't I I've completely forgotten how to say. I think avec avec les uh, le nez plat, flat nose geezers. Five hundred of them. Mark, uh, yeah, Mark Thatcher would become Canadian French Canadian Dave Courtney. That's just mm. that would have been his fate. David Courtney. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, but the boomers got radicalized and they voted for the Tories and now we live mm. in hell. That's what happened. Yeah. Um, so as a as a coder to this to the subject of living in hell, um, I have a little bit about uh, only fools and horses internationally. Which <laughs> Nate is pulling a face here. Which I mean, it's hard to conceive. Of. I mean, like now, granted, listeners to this show, you. I mean, if you're not British, you almost certainly haven't watched this show. So I can. It's like it's inscrutably hard to understand if you're not British because it's so. It's inscrutably hard to understand if you're not from the south because it's so London. It's so like incredibly like fast uh, thinking geezers getting themselves into trouble yeah this is like what if like guy Ritchie but inscrutable it's like that kind of a thing and like yeah guy Ritchie but not for export yeah 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 exactly like i grew up with it because like that's that's what my family are like they're all cockneys like this is what my brother talks talks like i mentioned this on on the stream but my brother the other day was texting me and he was moaning about something that the german government had done and he started referring to the germans as box heads (laughs) i'm like excuse me and he's like well you never called him a box head he's like an old city term mate So your brother is Dave Courtney? Yeah, it's like, yeah, the Germans are boxheads and the Eastern Europeans are flatheads. <laughs> like, I don't know. God only knows where that comes from. But uh, yeah, I think people don't imagine that when they imagine my family. I think they think everyone sounds like me or Posture. Like, that is not the case. Um, anyway, uh, another segment of Wikipedia. Only Fools and Horses was sold to countries throughout the world. Australia, <laughs> which is where Nate's character came from. Yes. Uh, Belgium, Cyprus, Greece, Ireland, Israel, Malta, New Zealand, Pakistan, Portugal, South Africa, <laughs> hello, uh, Spain, <laughs> and Yugoslavia. In all former Yugoslav countries in which Serbian or Croatian is spoken, the title was Mutske, or uh, yeah, which can roughly be translated as shady deals. And in Macedonia, it is called uh, Spletke. Uh, in Slovenia, however, the show was coined Samobidaki Ikonje, which is a literal Slovenian translation of the original English title. The show enjoyed particular popularity in the former Yugoslavia and is regarded as a cult series in Bosnia and Herzegovina, Croatia, Montenegro, Serbia, and Slovenia. The idea. This included a picture of a mural in Serbia of only bulls and horses. <laughs> They're like Serbians. <laughs> a Serbian Del Boy is a very interesting concept. Yeah, I like the idea of like you know another alternate timeline where like uh, you know that they managed to make Greater Serbia a thing and like Serbian troops are invading Britain and like you know putting people in camps or whatever. But like they're like, bring me Del Boy Trotter, he shall be king. <laughs> Just like grabbing David Jason and Nicholas Lindhurst and like installing them as like court jesters. Um, 
it goes on, a number of overseas remakes have also been produced. So in in those countries that were previously listed, these were just they just bought the show and subtitled it or dubbed it or whatever. A Dutch version aired for one series in 1995 and was called What Schrift? What's it worth? The Trotters were renamed the Arsmans and it starred Johnny Craycamp Jr. as Steph Dell. Um Sacco van der Maid as Grandad and Casper van Kooten as Robbie. <laughs> Brackets Rodney and was shown on RTL4. Um, so you thought Turkish Sopranos was funny. We've got Dutch only fools and horses. Only fools and horses. I'm actually thinking Yugoslavian only schools only fools and horses would be amazing too. Rodney, you don't understand. We've got to shell all this expired boot polish down at the market. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it all from a guy down at the... Uh, I've noticed there's a problem with it. It gives you a really bad rash. That's why everybody in our town's got a rash right now. Don't ask me what they've been doing. Yeah. <laughs> we live on we live on a canal boat. <laughs> um, a Portuguese remake, O Fura Vidas, a local expression for someone who lives outside the law, ran for three series from 1999 to 2001. Uh, it was a literal translation of the British version with all episodes based on the originals. It centered on the Fintas family who live in uh, Sapadores, a neighborhood in Lisbon, and starred Miguel Guilherme as Quim, Del, Canto e Castro as Grandad, and Ivo Canelas as Ioka, Rodney. In the Portuguese version, the Reliance equivalent was a 1988 Suzuki Supercarry. A Slovenian remake called Brat Bratu, Brother to Brother, which sounds like a porno, <laughs> um, was broadcast from 2008 to 2009. All episodes were based on the original British story, like, like fully 30 years after the original series started. Well, what gets me is that every single one of these countries has a culture of just like a guy with a van who does shady shit. And so it's mm. all relatable in a way. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, take yeah. out all the sort of like... Britishisms, and you just take the general theme of like these guys are dumbasses who make money in the market by just just trying to yeah. sell people shit they don't need, and everyone can conceive of that. Absolutely, this this is like the true global handshake meme. We all the thing that unites us all is geezers, geezers with vans. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love this detail. It fo- it featured the brothers who are called Brain, <laughs> which is like Bane but Slovenian. <laughs> Um, who's played by a guy called Brain and Bine. <laughs> They're called Brain and Bine. <laughs> Two brothers, Brain and Bine. Uh, we are going to cause crimes and problems for all of us. <laughs> Who move from Maribor to Ljubljana. The series also stars Peter Turnovshek as Grandad. It was directed by Branko Jury. <laughs> I just love the idea. Branko. <laughs> Wait, his name is Bamco? <laughs> it's Branko. Branko. Okay, yeah. Branko, if Bamco yeah. was actually a real name really? in the greater yeah. Yugoslavia, that, that then thus yeah. Bamco Marjeric would be yeah. just too great of a character. Like a, a, a squat SUV made by the Yugo company that's called the Branko. <laughs> <laughs> the series was cancelled after 13 episodes due to poor ratings. How do you get poor ratings in Slovenia? Like, what else was on? I just love the idea of if you have a full, like, a Yugoslav or Eastern European country where you reset this, then basically the granddad has to be, like, a Red Army veteran. And he's just, like, instead of, instead of, like, his, you know, charming, endlessly boring and repetitive tales of the Navy in World War II, he's just talking about Stalingrad and drinking slowly. Like, (laughs) instead of us in the Balkans, he's probably talking about being in the Ustiza. During the war. Uh, during the war. Well, we was helping the Waffen SS. There's a couple of pogroms, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh. Ah. Kind of a dark turn there, you know? Yeah. Nice bunch of lads, the Ustiza. <laughs> yeah. 
the, the dubious accolade of being the group that the SS thought took things a bit far. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, um, but, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they can all appreciate a shady van man going can. around doing bumbling crimes yeah. just like anyone else. Your defense of the Nuremberg trial is like, I'm just, I am just like you. I have a van. <laughs> I try and sell uh, dodgy uh, items at the market. People like to call me a, a, a war criminal, but I am just a geezer. <laughs> I am just the count. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> One war crime. <laughs> Two <laughs> war crimes. Why? Uh, I, do not, uh, I do not believe in this court's validity. I'm going to drink poison. One vial. Ah, <laughs> ah, 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 ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the guy poisoning himself. What a king. Not a king for all the things he did, but <laughs> that that one action. Yeah, I mean, I do find it funny. I've made this joke on hell of a way that the International Criminal Court is interesting in the sense that uh, they, they basically only seem to exist to try African dictators and warlords and then also people that Western Europeans don't think are white but are mm. from like the Balkans. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. mask has kind of slipped in that regard. But, uh, mm. you know, in the grand scheme of things, maybe you could actually get out of a war crimes charge by appealing to a, a British judge and or jury with your knowledge of only fools and horses ephemera. Oh, we absolutely love to do that. Um, yeah, well, I think that about that probably about tears it, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, this is one of those things where it's rare that Milo subjects me to something that's so inscrutably British that I genuinely have to look over to him and be like, can you help me understand this? <laughs> like I can normally find a frame of reference for something like this, but I just don't have it. A lot of the jokes went over my head because they are so incredibly cockney. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. like I said, if you, if you want, we can, uh, we can link to some YouTube stuff in the show notes if we can find any episodes. I know there are oh, a few of them yeah, out yeah. there. Oh, yeah, there's definitely good, There's definitely clips on YouTube. I think we should link to the... Uh, there's a clip of the Batman and Robin scene. Yeah, I think yeah, people yeah. will get a kick out of that. that. Yeah, we'll link to exactly. that. Exactly. Uh, it, is, it is a pretty funny gag. That was one of, there, were, there were like like two or three moments in the show where you actually laughed, and that was one of them. Well, but I will honestly say this, that this was harder for me to parse than carry on up the Kyber. <laughs> well, that isn't hard to parse at all. I, well, there were, there were also like inscrutable turns of phrase in it, but like the basic dynamics of what's going on is like just horny. Yeah, well, but no, but see, that's the thing is that like this, it was hard for me to follow. Only uh, carry carry on up the Kyber was more of a how and why did this get made? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I'm reminded because we live in Britain. Yeah, I I sometimes I think that the carry on up the Ky- uh, uh, carry on movies were like a concerted attempt to get the British people to be horny for adults. <laughs> it was like government propaganda. Like when they were like trying to get people to drink milk or eat eggs or whatever. They're like, why not fuck an adult woman? <laughs> Biologically, sp- oh wait, I was I was trying to do a British voice and it came out Barak. <laughs> Barak voice. It was the count slash Israeli war criminal slash yeah. former prime minister. Uh, yeah, well, um. I suppose, like you said, that about does it. So thank you very much for listening to yet another Britonology. We love to Britonologize. Uh, we will have another one this month for people on the $10 tier. Yeah, at the end of the month. Uh, we don't know what it's going to be about yet, but we will. We do not. We're always, Milo is always hard in the research minds. Hopefully also known as it's going to be the big night out one, but it depends on um, who, we're, we're still working on guests for that. Tom Usher is in, but we're, we're, trying, we're trying to get another guest as well. And I don't know, as ever. Who knows? Life is strange. We live in yeah. a, we live in an odd time in human history, but uh, you we can always count it. on us to relay very strange cultural products from an incredibly mm. normal island. Oh, absolutely. We will be examining the racism island until the day we're both deported to Pretty Patel's concentration camp on Ascension <laughs> Island. 
<laughs> podcasting live from the concentration camp on Ascension Island. I mean, they're, they uh, the British talk radio was trying to rile up its listeners by getting them to vote online on whether or not uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's citizenship should be stripped from them mm. for daring to insult the royal family. So... Uh, you know what? I, all I can say is it's only getting better every day. This country is absolutely. definitely normal, definitely sane, and we will we will absolutely only have positive things to report. Britain, like the British, the British right wing, like becomes so right wing that they accidentally become like communist revolutionaries. They're like executing the royal family for not being royal enough. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a five year plan to make this country less gay. <laughs> Uh, love yeah. it love yeah. it love every minute of it yeah. thank you we'll for see listening. you at the end of the month we'll see you later on later